from the 50, Midweek Edition. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of the From the 50 Midweek Review. I am your host, Zach Sook, alongside Nick Tolley. And we are presented to you by Book It Sports and Aces Wild. Download the Book It Sports app from the App Store today, and you can visit Aces Wild at 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. Book It Sports got a lot of exciting things going on. We just had the Masters for gambling. Now we're getting into kind of that tough season for gambling, I think, Nick. It's a lot of baseball and a lot of weird things happen. It's tough to make money gambling in the summer, but you should still go download the Book It Sports app. Nonetheless, the the guys over there have a ton of content that they keep uh, pushing out to keep it interesting and fresh over there, and uh, it's a good time. So you can track your bets, bet on your favorite baseball team. I, I, I saw that there are, you got to be consistent with the baseball bets, Nick. I saw yeah. one that was like, if you bet the Cubs over runs, for the whole season in 2016, like you, you got like shit rich. So you just got to pick like a team like that, like that you're a believer in and stick to it every night because with 162 games, you know, it's you're if you're going one offs, you're going to be disappointed, but it's also for the, for us degenerates, it's a nice, it's a nice opportunity to get a, a large sample size uh, to, to see if, if you, if you're, foolproof method actually works <laughs> for sure you also have hockey playoffs coming up here pretty you do soon. have hockey playoffs and coming NBA up you have nba up. so yeah you got some stuff i, I guess mm-hmm. I, i'd be more probably inclined to bet on the playoffs than baseball but yeah. uh my i don't really watch the nba and the detroit red wings are the worst team in the nhl so no, I've, I've been my, i've been my buffalo out. sabers are much worse <laughs> <laughs> they've been ranked 31st in those power rankings for multiple weeks now well, all I know is that Detroit needs the needs the first or the second pick. They keep getting screwed over in the draft lottery. <laughs> and if it doesn't turn around this year, I don't know, man. Like, I just might have to write a letter to the league office. So, uh, <laughs> regardless, download the Book It Sports app. Go on, head over to Aces Wild, 208 North Main Street, Columbia, Illinois. They got dartboards. They got ice-cold brewskis. It's a good, good, good time to go relax and hang out. You can also, as Nick pops the, uh, the graphic for our, our visual audience, you can call or text us at 904-990-FT50. That's 3850 to, to those of you, uh, that don't catch the meaning from the 50. So (laughs) again, that's 904-990-FT50. And, uh, Tyler, we got a couple of things to get into today. Probably a little bit shorter podcast. Uh, we are going into basically full on draft talk, uh, for the next couple of weeks here as, uh, we get kicked off, but there is one story that I wanted to talk about before we get into kind of, kind of our draft talk. And that is, uh, Julian Edelman has announced his retirement. Uh, but I saw a week or two ago, he had a, a knee injury and it was, you know, it leaked out that it was going to potentially bug him throughout the, this fall. And it was something that was chronic and wasn't going away. And then I saw it just, you know, out of nowhere, he had announced his retirement uh, through a video post on Instagram, which like if anybody knows Julian Edelman's personality at all, and Nick, I'm sure you do being a uh, Patriots, Patriots slash Bills guy. Uh, that's the perfect way for Jules to go out because I listened to an interview with Julian Edelman one time where he said that what he listens to in the locker room to get hyped up before games is he'll listen. He'll, he'll watch like highlight videos on YouTube, 
like hype videos on YouTube, <laughs> like like the type of shit that like teenagers create, yeah. and that you know just the hardos of the hardos like go and watch. Like Jules loves watching those, so he's like a big hype video guy. He would have like a different one for every game. And if you followed him on social media, the last couple of years, he was big into his own personal hype post that he would post on Sunday mornings or over the weekend before their games. And so perfect that his announcement of his retirement was on IG. Uh, but Nick, as somebody that watched him throughout his career more closely than, than I did for sure. What are your kind of takeaways uh, about uh, Julian Edelman? Who's I think, would it be a stretch to say he's the best seventh round pick probably ever? I don't think that's a stretch at all. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation if he's going to be a Hall of Famer or not. He's a Super Bowl MVP. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. Yeah. Thing. No, I mean, just let it ride for now. I was going to ask you that in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anytime a seventh rounder wins a Super Bowl MVP, I think that means that you probably made a good pick there, especially if they win it from the wide receiver position. But, I mean, he worked his ass off to become a good slot receiver. He had really no offers coming out of high school. He goes to Kent State, plays quarterback, has nothing going into the draft. I don't even think he went to the combine. And the Patriots pick him and go, we're going to make you a slot receiver. And he let them coach him on everything. He grinded and turned into being a great slot wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, truly one of the more unguardable slot guys uh, of my generation. Uh, very reminiscent of Wes Welker, obviously, um, partly because he played for the same team. Uh, Julian Edelman a, was just able to play through a lot more injuries and kind of yeah. grind through some things. Well, well and he's he was just such he was an ultimate badass because he did yeah. always play through injury and he was such a just a classic Belichick player just a classic Belichick guy like when they take like Braxton Berrios and they take all these other really weirdos who's the guy that they had returning punts last year Gunner something oh yeah Gunner Olwinski or something yeah, like, like that the, however he, you pronounce he was name. he was like the top of what Bill hopes for with those type guys yeah. he he was a kick returner has the Patriots franchise record for I think a punt or kick returns I think he had four runbacks uh, so Julian Edelman was just an exceptional player. Um, you know, I was shocked when I looked at his total stats, he only had like 6,000 something total receiving yards in the regular season. Now I think he had like 1400 though, over the course of his, his playoff runs, he was one of the more dominant players in January and February that I think we've ever seen in the history of the league, like Peyton Manning struggled to get it done. And, and there's like an uh, across other sports, you have, you know, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, and you have these guys known for getting it done in clutch time. I mean, Julian Edelman was as reliable as a guy and he just torched people in the playoffs and was such a constant. I think that's why it's such a shock that you look up. It's like he only had 6,000 career receiving yards, but he also only really played like six seasons because he lost a year, I think, to a he did actually. He lost a year to a torn ACL. When he first came in, he was learning the position, was behind Wes Welker for like three years or something. So he really only had about a six year career. So six thousand yards in six years is I mean, that's really good. So I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know I didn't look up like his uh football reference page. I didn't know he like sat. So was he basically a special teamer his first like throughout his rookie? Yeah, contract? his first few years. Yep. 
Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, that kind of explains it. Cause uh, to me, it's like, I, I felt like he was a pretty consistent thousand yards a year guy. But then when you look up 10 year career, he's only got six K that's, I think kind of shocking, but, but that makes a lot more sense now that you've explained it. So now we'll get to the question, Nick, do you think he belongs in the hall of fame? I think he does. And I've heard people explain this. It's the hall of fame, especially for the NFL is more like a museum. It's a museum of the history of the NFL. It's much different kind of than the baseball hall of fame is. And I mean, I don't know if the Patriots, I know obviously he was the MVP for one, so they wouldn't have won that one Super Bowl without him. But I think they lose two or three of those other ones, like the one against Seattle without him. How about the one against the Falcons? Like all the insane yeah. catches he made uh, for for in in those games. Um, he was he was yeah. I mean, one of the better. He's one of the first guys you think about when you think about. I mean, the Patriots. You got the guys in the first run like Teddy Bruschi and Rodney Harrison and the players of that defense, Ty Law. But then on the with the second group, you think of obviously Tom Gronk, and then it's Julian Edelman. I mean, he was he was a force. I I just don't think I get what you're saying. I just I now do I think he makes the Hall of Fame? That's another question and conversation altogether i think he he will have a chance and there will be some long conversations about it ultimately though i just i i I like i think the hall of fame has gotten too mainstream and has let too many people in i think it should be reserved for i mean the truly elite players to have their names enshrined and to get gold jackets and i think while it's uh, unbelievable what he was able to accomplish in his career i mean objectively looking at it I, I think you're you have a huge problem on your hands. I mean, he did only have six thousand career receiving yards, and re- regardless of the postseason accolades and what he did in in January and all all the the good teams he played on, would we think of him the same if he had those same numbers w- with the Jags? You know, I, I don't I don't right. think we would. So uh, I think he's definitely benefited from playing uh, on a team coached by Bill Belichick and under Josh McDaniels, who's gotten him the ball, but. Uh, I'd, I'd ultimately probably put him in the hall of very good, not the hall of fame, but I think that there's an argument to be made the other way. And he's not, I'm not going to like <laughs> throw a fit if they put him in. I mean, he's one of my favorite players to watch over the course of the last five to 10 years. Cause he's just, I don't know, man. He's like he, people like him. I think the toughness, especially at the wide receiver position, I think that that's starting to disappear from, from the league uh, as we get farther and farther away from, you know, people being able to hit receivers with the ball in the air, hit you going over the middle. You can't really touch the receivers these days. And so I think as a result, you get some receivers that are a little softer that are able to do more things that would have gotten their shit rocked maybe five or 10 years ago. But Julian Edelman was like, he was like a tough guy, like Anquan Bolden type. He would take hits. He never refused to, he he refused to go down. Uh, he, He was a fun player. So I'll definitely miss him. Uh, I don't know what the Patriots do going from here. I mean, they the kids hits just keep on coming for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't know if they try to trade up and get a guy like Devonta Devonte Smith or what they're going to do. But I also wouldn't be shocked. Julian Edelman technically is a free agent if he decides to unretire. Maybe he reunites back with Tom down in Tampa Bay. So Nick and I were joking about this yesterday and it's, it's so true. I mean, I thought about it the second he announced his retirement, like, 
what are what are the odds? Like, what are the odds he stays retired? I I, I got to put the odds at like at least forty percent that the second Mike Evans tears rips his hammy, Julian Edelman's going to be unretired would, and signed with yeah. the Bucks. You know, I Julian would, Edelman this last fall was like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, like week six or something. All of a sudden, oh, Julian Edelman's no longer retired. Well, it, it, it's like, so here's a verbal meme for you, Tal. You know, the Squidward meme with SpongeBob and Patrick running yep. outside having fun. It's it's Tom Brady is SpongeBob and Gronk is Patrick, which actually is a little too on the nose. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Squidward is Julian Edelman trapped in Foxborough watching Tom Brady and Gronk soak up the Tampa Bay sun, winning rings and not actually wanting to... Uh, retire <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there but uh let's move on to the draft and this will take up the rest of the show i wanted to take a look at i i've, I've put together a lot of my board for for this year i haven't been able to have to have as much time to study this year as last year because last year not only were we in a global pandemic at this time so i had a lot of time inside and a lot yeah. of time to look at look at guys but uh, I was also being trained on analysis for Pro Football Focus. So, like, I was watching eight to 10 hours of raw film per weekend. Uh, so, which I did not do this this year, but I still did watch every single one of the guys. And, and I don't watch everybody, it's not a total comprehensive list, but people who I look at the list and then I go, go back and watch all the guys. So, I got, I think, about 130 people, prospects, about 10, 15 deep at each position. And so this is the second year I've done this, but I figured it would be fun to maybe go take a look back at how I had it ranked a year ago to look at some of these prospects that were big names last year that we talked about right here on this very podcast and how their careers have shaped up uh, a, a year later and see how I did. So I'm going to pull this up real quick. And we can just go right down the top. I know who I had rated as the top quarterback. And one of the, I think the big misses I had in, in the draft last year, Tali was uh, at the quarterback position. I had Tua Tagovailoa rated as the best quarterback over Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So I wanted to take some time and talk about that one and see what your reactions are to that. I, I actually still think I was watching some uh, Bama tape from 2019 because had to oh that's 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 great throw it up yeah throw it up there yeah, um so i i i've been going back and watching a lot of like 2019 alabama stuff tolly mm -hmm. because so many guys opted out this year in 20 that i had to go back and find 19 footage to watch some of them so it's like you go back to 19 and you when Tua was healthy and you're like like it makes you realize like yeah this guy's like really really good like maybe we should just like chill out a little bit you know, the Dolphins were not very good last year. They didn't have good protection. He was coming off a hip injury. The way Brian Flores inserted him when the team was competing for the playoffs was super weird. And then he would pull him. By the way, if you're wondering what the highlights are, those are guys that did not go in the first round that I had rated as like the top 40 players or whatever. So uh, I had Jeff Okuda chase down two o Ohio State guys rated as the top two players last year, which, I mean, hurt my soul to do that. As as a Michigan guy, but um, I, I I truly believed Jeff Okuda was was a really special special player. Um, I I don't know, like I didn't I didn't hear his name very much. Uh, so I th I think you could definitely 
knock that. He had, he's had definitely hasn't been the best player in the draft class. I think the guy I put at number two is probably the best player in the draft class so far, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Chase Young was probably number one. I mean, he 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 keeps up the tradition too of the of these Buckeyes edge guys coming out. I mean, Joey Bosa, then Nick Bosa, and now Chase Young. A year later, Nick Bosa had an unreal rookie year. Rode the Niners, you know, to a Super Bowl appearance. Chase Young's team didn't have the same team success, but that defensive line and the reason why I'm considering them to potentially become division champs now that they got Fitzmagic is because of this guy. I mean, Chase Young is everything we thought and hoped Jadeveon Clowney was going to be when he was coming out of school. I mean, they they really do remind me of each other. I can't remember. Actually, now I'm going to look at my board and see who I comped him to, if I comped him to anybody. I comped him to Jadeveon Clowney. Yeah, I thought thought so. So, I'll real uh, quick interrupt this. What do you think about the Browns signing him for one year, $10 million? Yeah, kind of a minor story. I, I... I don't. I don't even think he's worth ten million. I don't know what your feelings are on it. That's. I, I, thought I would they pay overpaid. him like two to two to three million dollars. Is yep. what I would pay him because, and it's hard. Like he's not going to take that. This guy is a top pick. He's used to making big money. He was making big money on his rookie deal. Then he gets another deal, and every place he goes, he gets money. But at at, at a certain point, you you. You go from a, a prospect or a guy with potential to just this is what you are. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, Jadevian Connie is like a pretty average NFL player that gets hurt a lot. That gets hurt a lot. That's unreliable. That's a locker room problem. Who's a headache off the field? Who wants to be paid all this big top money like he's freaking Lawrence Taylor <laughs> when in reality, he's a lot closer to like Brian Robison. You know, yeah. like he just he, he he's he's a, a good player when he wants to wants to turn it on. He has the physical tools to dominate. But that's, I think, where we talk about the draft and we talk about, you know, evaluations of these players and, and these guys coming out. What is between your head and what type of guy you are, I think, has a bigger bearing on the success you have in the National Football League more than your physical characteristics now you see like Julian Edelman is, is like an outlier. He was still able to, he was able to get the most out of his physical limitations. He still is a really good athlete, but like you do have to have the physical care. I'm not saying that that's not important because it certainly is. I'm just saying clearly Jadevian Clowney, I think is an example of a guy that was a top prospect. You can't go back in at his final year in South Carolina and be like, Oh, that's a miss. You evaluated him wrong. No, no, no. Scouts didn't evaluate him wrong. It's just that the person was never going to succeed in the NFL because he had lazy tendencies and yep. he has problematic tendencies. He's not a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson type that is going to grind and put in the work to get better. That truly loves and cares about football and wants to win rings. He's, I mean, I think I, I don't want to speak for him. I don't. I don't obviously I don't know Jadeveon Clowney, <laughs> but like. Per, pretty clearly in it for the money to me, you know, yeah. and same uh, thing that happened with Jamarcus Russell, the money in, in, in the clout, Tolly, the clout. Yeah. <laughs> so another guy I had up here rated pretty high. I got, we already touched on Tua. I, I still believe in Tua. I, I think the dolphins nailed these next couple drafts. I, I, if I had to go over and do it again, I would put Joe Burrow ahead of him. Uh, but I, I wouldn't put Tua too far behind. I still, I think, would probably put Tua over Justin Herbert. And actually, I don't know. Justin Herbert was pretty impressive, but <laughs> he was good. You have to equate it to. It, I, I think that Chargers team was a lot better than the Dolphins were too. 
and yeah. they had they had a lot more going for them. Now you could counter argument that and say, but Anthony Lynn, and you'd be right. So let's let's just see. That's all I'm saying. Let's just see on Tua. I I I was not a huge believer in uh, Justin Herbert, and that's why you don't see him anywhere up here. <laughs> so that is one one guy I missed on big time. Um, I'll tell you somebody I think I hit on. I had Tristan Wirfs at ninth overall. I had him as the best tackle in the draft uh, over Mackay Becton, over Jedrick Wills, over Andrew Thomas, who the Giants took at four overall. I feel pretty good about that right about now. He was the starting yeah. tackle uh, that protected Tom Brady and led them to a Super Bowl. Him hitting and hitting as a rookie was huge to that offense's overall success because we weren't sure there was a lot of talk about him kicking inside the guard. There was talk about, you know, his, his feet aren't very good. It might take him some time to get underneath of himself, but he's just a straight beast, man. And it was pretty easy, easy to to see when I flipped on Iowa. And um, I think it's pretty much been the case for him and the pros. All right. Henry Ruggs at 10 is a problem. (laughs) <laughs> that's a problem uh but although i i gotta tell you though again nick like i i just think it's more the raiders than henry ruggs henry yeah. ruggs is a guy that had some moments in 2020 but was not a part of of a consistent offense i think he did get banged up a little bit i think it's fair to question how good of a job Derek carr did at getting the ball to him um what one thing let's as we move on from rugs the running back conversation was a hotly debated thing i was huge on jonathan taylor i was a big jonathan taylor guy almost everybody uniformly had deandre swift as the top back and i had jonathan taylor as the top back some people had clyde edwards hilaire towards the end but i was a big jonathan taylor guy and the way he ran it for the colts the second half of the year i remember listening to a scout years ago say that you can't really judge rookies in September and October. You you just don't like throw it out. I mean, they're yeah. going to struggle if they have success. It doesn't really necessarily mean anything, but once it gets to Thanksgiving, that's when the guys who have good NFL careers typically figure it out. They got some experience under their belt. They're up to game speed. They're comfortable with the offense. And that I felt like was the case for Jonathan Taylor. The Colts started establishing an identity with him in the backfield with Naheem Hines. They cut out the Jordan Wilkins bullshit and started actually giving JT 15, 20 carries a game. And I think he's, he's a road grader, dude. Like he, he was, he looks every bit the back. I hoped he was going to be out of Wisconsin. And uh, I, I think he was a first round back. I get why the chiefs, you know, did what they did and t- took Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Although I still think that was the wrong pick for them. I think DeAndre Swift would have fit what they were trying to do a little bit. I think I think DeAndre Swift's just a better version of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, good player. I don't think he's a great player. I mean, he's a, he's an example again of a guy that had a good September. They used him and featured him early on, and then he kind of faded. They acquired Le'Veon Bell. And uh, he kind of fell out of favor, got some injuries, like didn't really play all that much. So uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. As we get down the list here to about like the 20s, Kenneth Murray was a was a favorite of mine that I liked a lot better than everybody else did in the draft. The Chargers took him 
and he he's gone on to have a pretty pretty good rookie season. That Chargers defense is going to be really really tough. They they lost Derwin James to the season ending injury really early on, right, Nick? Yeah, it was very early. So th- they get him back, and unfortunately they lose Casey Hayward. So they probably have a need at corner now. But uh, they acquired Chris Harris Jr. in free agency the offseason before, so they do still at least have him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I know Kenneth Murray had a solid year. I know he graded out pretty well. But I'm interested to see how he looks this year because I didn't hear his name a whole lot last season. Not that I watched that many Chargers games. They weren't really a playoff team. And when I was turning them on, I was more interested in watching Justin Herbert play. But... Uh, but you heard Patrick Queen's name a lot. You just didn't hear Kenneth Murray. Right. Well, and Patrick Queen, actually, you know, it's interesting you say that. I, I loved, loved Patrick Queen. I wanted the Packers to take him. Had him rated as the 17th best overall player. Um, had C.J. Henderson actually rated right above him. C.J. Henderson, I believe, was he hurt for the Jags this past year? I think so. That's a guy. I, I heard his name when I was listening to a podcast and I like I went back and looked I was like where did I have him ranked because I I'd never heard of him last year it's like he got drafted it's like oh Jags added a pretty good corner like it'll be interesting to see how that goes and he just I don't know didn't hear much about him so yeah. but but Pat Queen uh did not do much for the Saints I mean he played a lot but I don't think he he had a great rookie season and he was a guy I was all for had a 6'8 grade on him rated him as the 17th best player I had him even above Kenneth Murray uh, just because of his sheer speed, like sideline to sideline ability, his ability to cover. But the problem is, like, I think he really got taken advantage of in the run. And as somebody who watched a lot of LSU tape, I did a, their defense in particular. Queen was not a starter. Uh, f- for he only started like three or four games because they had Devin White, and then after they had Devin White, it was the guy coming out this year. Jabril Cox, who was rated, you know, pretty higher and, and played a lot more. Yeah. So, uh, and they had Michael Divinity Jr. also that year on the team, which I have rated down here as well. So, Patrick Queen was a guy that didn't even play a whole lot of college football. So, it'll be interesting. He's a guy to me that, like, watch out for him year two this fall as he didn't play a lot of football, learning on the fly. Again, I think it's tough when you walk into a building on a really good team that has Super Bowl aspirations, they don't have they don't have the time, man, for you to figure no. it out. So uh, I liken it to the to the St. Louis Cardinals, how they treat their prospects. It's like they have a system, and, and when you are called up, you're expected to perform. And if not, we're, we'll send your ass down. Like okay. it's your career. Make make of it what you will, because we're competing to win the division and for pennants every year. We're not, we don't do any of this rebuild bullshit where we're going to give you 600 at bats to hit 250 and then maybe you'll be good next year. No, none of that. So I respect that like philosophy of the winning cultures, but I do think it's hard as a rookie sometimes to get, to get your feet under you. Um, I think a huge miss on my part was your gross Matos. He was uh, drafted 38th overall to the Panthers. Going to be an edge guy across Brian Burns who I loved coming out and who has been really good. But YGM, man, didn't hear anything about him uh, in the fall. So we'll see if he can kind of get it cranked up. They drafted him to kind of be in that 4-3 and rush off the edge and uh, didn't didn't see or hear very much about him. 
Jalen Rager to the Eagles at 21. I had him in my top 30. Uh, liked him as a player. I don't think the Eagles used him very well. No. Uh, so uh, obviously they had a lot of problems and Rager showed some flashes. So we'll see. He's one of those guys, Nick, do you ever like watch players in college and then you see them in, in the pros and you're like, that doesn't even look like the same body type <laughs> of the guy in college. Like, is that just me? Because like Rager was one of those guys. Like I had no idea Rager was like, he looks so much taller like in the NFL than he looked at TCU. Like he kind of looked small at TCU and with the Eagles, I don't know if it's like equipment or what <laughs> it is, but he looks like Lanker. I'm like, there's no, no way that that's Jalen Rager. So like that sometimes I think is interesting too. guys play differently. Uh, if they're thinking too much that you might, they might not look like the same guy on tape as uh, they did in college. Let's go to 29. Tali, can you read that name for me? KJ Hamler. Wide receiver out of Penn State. I was huge on him. Um, I'm huge on Rondale Moore, who I think is this year's better version of him. Hamler is like 170 pounds, <laughs> and he's 5'9". Had a little bit of the dropsies, but he's an electric playmaker, and I really thought the Broncos were going to feature him a little bit more. Now, I get that they had you know, some depth at Deshaun Hamilton, uh Tim Patrick, I think, to go yep. with obviously Jerry Judy and then Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton got hurt before the season even started. And KJ Hamler, it still felt like wasn't hardly used. Like they picked him 46th overall. Clearly, they thought in a similar vein as I do about him. He was a guy I would have loved to see the Packers pick up on day two. Uh, Broncos scooped him up pretty quick, though. Um, and, and I don't know why they just kind of refused to integrate him into the offense if he struggled or or what have you, but he's like a great slot gadget guy that so far I've been really wrong about his success. I thought he's going to be a really, really, really good player. Um, Jordan love. I have at 35 here and went to the Packers yeah. at 26. Um, I had cam acres. I had Jake from at 37 and he was taken with the 167th pick by your Bills, Tali, and now he's going to be the third stringer. He might not make the team. I think he'll still make – he might be like a practice squad guy, but he'll definitely still be there. I was shocked on – while watching the draft that he fell that far. You know, I, I knew he didn't have, like, the biggest arm. He was kind of a statue. I, just, I, I did, though, think that he did some good things in college. Like, I, I, I could envision him having a lot of success in the NFL. I thought that a Patriots-type system would have been really good for him. He's yeah. a distributor. Like, he's a game manager. I thought so that's sure obviously why Patriots he fell. I didn't have him in the first round, you know. Right. But, uh, and, and let's see, 6-5 is kind of like the boomer bust grade, which is what mm -hmm. I put on Jordan Love. And okay, okay, so Fromm was like the six five two. Because I thought for both those guys, it, it was all about where they went. Do you want to explain these grades a little bit as people see it that may have not seen grades like this before? Yeah, sure. So I picked this up from, and, and I don't know if I'm gonna keep doing it this way. Uh, I don't really like it to be honest with you. This is my <laughs> second year doing it, and I, I thought I need to learn this and do it because that's how you know, they do it in the pros. Right. So like Lance Sirline, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, all of the draft people, people that have been in front offices grade like this. And basically 
that six five and up is to me is at least as far as I can understand is like those are like your first rounders. Six five is like the boomer, but the classic boomer bust prospect. Uh, anything above that you feel like is a solid year one starter, pro bowler. Anything above seven is like freaking elite. Eight is the perfect prospect. So like if you go up to the top, what did I have Chase Young at seven three, seven two, uh, seven, seven one. one? So like th- those are like crazy high grades. Like anybody right. with a with a grade over seven, that's that's like a really big number. Like you think that they're going to be studs. Like if you pick have a guy with a seven or higher, like you think Hall of Fame hall of fame level like for sure pro bowler gonna play a decade in the league like has huge huge potential so like for example though like i think i only had six seven players with a grade above above seven but i mean anything above six five i pretty much for the most part regard as a first round from like six five to like six two six one is like day two the even six is a traits-based de- developmental player or prospect. So if you have a six, uh, that's kind of what you are. You're like a project. Uh, right. Not 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 good enough to take you on day one, but like day two, maybe like fourth round, like you have some, some traits that are worth developing. And anything below six, honestly, it's like backup level, special teams, gadget guys. Those are your those are your fifth, sixth, seventh round undrafted uh, free agents. So the reason I don't like it though is because like I then have gone and like I I do my own grades and put them independently based on what I think. But to see like get a concept and a feel for how the numbers are on players that I think or like know that I think alike with this person. The reason I don't like it is because like I go on like the freaking NFL.com and and I've I've seen them and there's like. 9 million players with like a 6-3 and they do it to the hundred. So it was like 6-3-8, It's like, Ugh. so to me, I, I feel like that's like a little, a little, I feel like that's to me, like basically saying like, I don't want to put myself out there. So I'm going to give all these guys grades about the same thing. And so that way I don't ever look bad, which I think is right. BS. So yeah. I think going forward and I know that the Philadelphia Eagles do this, they put round grades on people. And so I think going forward, that's what I'm going to do after this year. I'm going to stick with it this year. But I think going forward, I might put round grades on people. Or you just grade like them. That's a little easier. Grade them like it's Madden, just zero to 99. 99. Yeah, then you could do that. So uh, as we go down this list here into like what I would say, I mean, and here's the other thing too, like in these, in these lists, when you look at prospect lists, the top 50 is always like a big deal. Like if you're in the top 50, those are like like Devontae Adams, not a first round pick, but he was in the top 50. So having guys in your top 50, you might be 10, 20 picks off because that isn't really all that important. But if you have a guy in the top 50, that means you think that they can be a good pro. Um, so I also use that to like find out who I think got good value. Um, and so some of these guys in the 30s and 40s here, I think embody that. And I think that for the most part, not a whole lot of misses throughout that middle part. Clyde Edwards Hilaire's had a good career. Antonio Gandy Golden was involved in the offense. I, I expect him to have a bigger year with the Washington football team this fall. Denzel Mims is, I think, gonna play a big role for the New York Jets this fall. Michael Pittman, once he got into 
once he got integrated into the offense, he did a, a, a much better job. Uh, you got Cole Komets, who did a, did a pretty good job. Akeem Davis Gaither played, was in the starting lineup for the Bengals all fall. Igbenogany out of Auburn and Ashton Davis uh, for the Jets. I mean, you, you never heard of Ashton Davis because the Jets were so bad, but <laughs> he was a guy that was like a track star and would just play center field. He picked off Justin Herbert a couple times. He's he's really, really an impressive guy. So uh, as we go down here into the 50s, there were some guys that I think I was a little bit low on that have just been crushing. Kayvon Wallace was a guy I was higher on than basically everybody else. And he went 127th to the Eagles, started in the beginning. I don't know if he got an injury or what. I comped him actually to Malcolm Jenkins, funny enough, before the draft. <laughs> and he gets taken by the Eagles, and he literally played Malcolm Jenkins' role. It was kind of <laughs> hilarious. Um, Jeremy Chin, one of my favorite players of last year's draft, he was the last pick in the second round to the Carolina Panthers. And he 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 hit like he was ripping for for Carolina this fall at yeah. a Southern Illinois Carbondale. So like that's a little hits a little close home to me, Tolly, being a an Illinois guy. But yeah. uh yeah, no, Jeremy Chin is like he he's like Derwin James Light. He can do a lot of different things and he's had a had a good start to his career. Willie Gay uh is a player that had a ton of off the field concerns, was taken by the Chiefs. So far, he's done like he's done a really nice job. Harrison Bryant basically led the tight ends last year. He had, I think, like 80 or 90 percent of rookie tight end production and what just ended up being a terrible, terrible class. Um, so now you're getting down to the 60s here. And, uh, you know, Meek Robertson, Brian Edwards, Raiders grabbed both those guys uh, and scroll down a little bit more, Tolly. You get uh, into like the Antoine Winfield. They had pretty good years. Yeah, no, um, I'd say one of my biggest, one of the biggest hits in the draft last year was Antoine Winfield to the Bucks at 45. That was a little rich to me. As you can see, I had him rated at 70. So therefore, by the numbers, I would have thought he was like an early third round pick. He went pretty early second round and I was lower on him than the scouts were scouts pretty much had him as a second round pick uh, late first. I even saw him in some mock drafts, like tor- towards the, towards the lead up to the draft. I just didn't buy it. I didn't I, like, he didn't look all that explosive to me. I, I thought he was undersized. I thought he was going to have a tough time in coverage. I, I was like, yeah, man, it's great that he hits people, but like, I need my secondary players to cover. Like, how yeah. is he going to cover? And he was awesome this year. Again, like Tristan Wirfs. You look at this Bucks draft. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield Jr., and then you go down a little bit here, Tyler Johnson, who I have as my 75th rated player. They pick him at 161, and he's <laughs> absolutely better than the 161st player in the draft. Tyler yeah. Johnson out of Minnesota was awesome and got you know kind of got lost in the shuffle because of just how many mouths they had to feed in the offense, but he made some unreal catches for them and some big-time third-down conversions. So the Bucks draft class and the way that Jason Light was able to just hit some homers in that draft I think is a big reason why they won the Super Bowl this year. Uh, that and you got Devin White healthy. He exploded for a couple games in uh, – the fall of 2019, but then got hurt. So he was a virtual rookie this past fall and like an all, like an, 
a pro bowler, like right off the bat. So it's like you added him who you didn't have in 19. You add all these rookies that were instant contributors. And so looking at this a year later, I think the bucks maybe had the best draft out of anybody uh, in the, in the NFL that year. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. And then like right under them, you kind of go the other way where the Patriots took Kyle Duggar at 37. He yeah. definitely was not the 37th best player. Well, and, and and so Kyle Duggar was a guy that I liked and a lot of people liked. He was like one of those hidden gems. You're like, you know, D2 this guy, guy, this this guy can play. You know, like I don't care that he's from Lenore Ryan. I know he's yeah. a safety. Like he is a a day two player. But as you can see here, I had him as like a third round, mid to late third round pick, and the Patriots basically took him in the first round. <laughs> I mean, they took him with the fifth pick in the second round, and there's just simply no need for that. Um, I'm seeing a name up at the top here, Tali, that I feel pretty good about. Isaiah Wilson at 68. I had him as the 68th best player, uh, offensive tackle out of Georgia. He went 29th to the Titans. I actually called this pick in the mock draft. This is one of like three or four picks that I actually got right. I had Isaiah Wilson to the Titans at 29, and it happened, and he's already been cut. Yeah. from Tennessee. So I feel pretty good about I most people had him in their top 50. A lot of people had him in their top 30. Titans clearly thought enough to take him with the first round pick. I had him at 68. So I feel good about that. Another guy I didn't like was T Higgins. I was not a huge fan of his game. I kept him down at 71st overall. He was one of the first picks in the second round. He was the first pick in the second round. 33rd overall selection in that draft. Uh you know, I I I uh I just don't I I know he had he had some flashes, right, Tyler? Like how did he look as a rookie stats wise? Um, I'll look up his stats, but I I don't think he did much in the first half, but I think it was kind of the second half of the season he started to take over and did pretty decent. Was he he was never like a fantasy viable guy, right? Uh he was kind of uh, well, so he well, had he had 67 catches for 908 yards and six touchdowns. That's actually pretty good for a rookie, you know, like, and I was going to actually cut him some slack because if you think about it, he's a rookie trying to work his way into a receiving core that had AJ green. And who's the slot guy whose name escapes me right now. Boyd. Yes. Tyler, Boyd. Uh, Tyler Boyd. So he's trying to work his way in to get receptions and some opportunity into the offense. And probably about the time he got comfortable and started working his way in Joe Burrow gets hurt and lost for the year. So then yeah. you got, I mean, Brandon Allen throwing to you and whoever else so, they decide to suit up. And- so I actually think, you know, 60 some catches for 900 yards. That's actually awfully impressive. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself an L on that one. I think <laughs> fantasy uh, wise, he was kind of that guy. You just keep on your bench and hope that maybe if one of your guys goes down or you get a good matchup week, you can kind of throw him in there. Yeah. So uh, Bryce Hall right beneath him at 72 was a player. I loved uh, early on. I had him rated as the best <laughs> corner. Uh, I backed off of it. I still had him rated because he had just such injury concerns. You had to drop him down. I had him as the 10th best corner in the draft. Uh, He would have been top two or three had he not had the injury concerns. But I still had him in the top 100. I thought he was a day two pick. The Jets got him at pick 158, and he popped for him. He's going to be a starter on that team next year unless they get – 
you know, some spend some high draft picks on that. And he was a productive player for them. So Bryce Hall out of the University of Virginia. Now it's Virginia Tech that's got the corners this year. Caleb Farley, who coincidentally enough was widely regarded as cornerback number one right there with Patrick Sertain. They were one, two, uh, neck and neck. Like he, I wouldn't have killed a team for, for picking either of them. But then Farley, who had opted out of 2020, just had his second back surgery. So he's now fallen down the boards because of injury, similar to uh, the way Bryce Hall did. So as we go down this list a little bit more, let's go down, Nick. I have after this some guys that I did not have rated in the top 100 that got picked. So I thought it would be interesting because I, I saw one name earlier today that I that I didn't even have. He started out on my list, Tolly, and I literally took him off for other wide receivers. I didn't even have room for him. And that's Chase Claypool. Yeah, and then the guy you got highlighted, we'll get to him in a second. <laughs> but uh, Chase Claypool went 49th overall to the Steelers. I literally didn't have him rated in the top 100. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, yeah. I, I viewed him as like a guy that could potentially like play like split end, like to like some do some tight end stuff. And I think part of it's because he was a tough evaluation for me because of the offense Notre Dame plays in and the way Ian Book plays. Uh, I, I just didn't really see it with him, especially after. And I think he was a victim of Equinamius St. Brown. I liked Equinamius St. Brown coming out of that school and ignored the production. He didn't have much production because of the system. He had like 600 receiving yards. So it's like, well, you're going to draft a guy pretty high, like based on 600. He only had 600 receiving yards. Yeah, he looks nice. The underwear Olympics are great, but <laughs> 600 receiving yards and we've seen since he's gotten to the Packers he's had some nice moments but he hasn't done shit and so I I could I just couldn't put Chase Claypool over some of these other guys uh in a really deep wide receiver class but you hit on it earlier and we're gonna go down further there's some more Raiders on this list Damon Arnett at 19 overall was so negligent (laughs) yeah that's a bad pick he and I was lower on Arnett than some other guys. And I don't want to hear the Ohio State bias thing because I had the Ohio State guys ranked one and two. That's not it. I watch a lot of Ohio State football, unfortunately. Yeah. And he just wasn't it. He wasn't it. You could tell. And he he for whatever reason, I don't I don't know what John Gruden fell in love with about his game. Because when I watched his his college tape, not only was it like not good, I thought it was downright ugly at times like he literally can't cover <laughs> just can't cover people when he plays that's corner so a, that's a problem for a corner um if, if you uh go up there i saw the seahawks there's a lot of guys that uh, i had never heard of before that uh i didn't really you know study or have very high grades on yeah damian lewis, lewis. from from lsu no it was, an, it was another player go up a little higher yeah there you go daryl 48 taylor. overall daryl taylor edge player at Tennessee you ever hear of him nope me neither still haven't (laughs) yeah so uh there are some interesting misses that I had on here I had these guys rated but just didn't make my top 100 Antonio Gibson running back out of Memphis like I I think he's been a really productive player and I think he's got a chance to have a really nice career uh with with the Washington football team um trying to pick some other guys out Again, like Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, like Raiders picked him 80th overall. He yeah. played quarterback for Kentucky. 
Uh, he's like a he's like a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, like gadget hybrid type player. John Gruden, I'm sure, had some wet dream about all this stuff he all this stuff he could do in the offense. And I believe he was cut, didn't make the team, or I don't believe he's with the Raiders anymore. So uh, there again, the 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 Raiders. I think so. We we look back. I think the Bucks had the best draft. I think the Raiders maybe had the worst draft. Yeah, it doesn't look great for them. So they're starting to pop up a lot more on this list too. Tanner Muse, hundredth overall, the safety out of Clemson. Not sure if he made the team or not. Definitely didn't start. Raiders at 109th overall. John Simpson, an interior offensive lineman out of Clemson. Didn't see him at all. Uh, so they they really, really struggled uh, in, in the draft. And that's, I mean, that's again, like we talk about this in segments, and sometimes I don't have the stuff to back it up. This is why, Tali, like the, the, here's the data. Like yeah. he, he, John Gruden is picking all these guys on a whim, and they are not working out. So well, then uh, even like we've talked about the value you can get in running backs late. Like now I see Josh Kelly goes at 112 overall. He had a pretty solid rookie year for the Chargers. Yeah, at a, at a UCLA. Yeah, Josh yeah. Kelly. Uh once uh Eckler went down with the injury this past fall, mm-hmm. he was one of their go-to guys. Let's see if there's any well, Michael P. Ryan for the Jets. I they gave him a chance. I, I don't think it really yeah. worked out. The Jets offensive line was so bad. But there's going to be some running backs on this list, like Antonio Gibson, um, Anthony McFarland, another running back on there. I don't know if McFarland really got a chance to play very much with the Steelers, but I saw him out there. He's a couple times, like change of pace uh, type player. But there's definitely some guys uh, that you can get some position. We we're talking about positional value. Running back is one of them, man. Like guys have success all the time later in the draft at that position. Legarius seen, I'm glad you I'm glad you pointed that yeah. one out. Uh listen as a safety as you can see there. So uh what's interesting about the La Tech guys is Legarius Sneed last year played safety for them. Amik Robertson, who I loved, one of the draft picks the Raiders made that I loved. I, he never played. I don't know why. <laughs> uh but I loved him. I think I think he has a chance to be a really good pro. He's he's a little undersized as a corner, but he's just so tough, fearless, plays with confidence, doesn't let you know bad plays get him down. He's a good player. But the thing is, is they profile almost opposite, and it worked out that way. Legarius Sneed was a safety. He's playing corner in the NFL for the Chiefs. Had a nice season, nice rookie yeah. season. He was, what was huge he for them o- in the playoffs. What was he picked overall, Tali? One thirty-eight. 138. So that would have put him at fourth or fifth round pick. And he was basically starting from day one. No, Uh, I don't know about early. I didn't really pick up on him until they got closer to the playoffs. He started making a lot of big plays for that. So so he I believe he was the day one starter at at the second corner position for the Chiefs. I think he had a pick in his first game. I think they did because they were the Super Bowl champs. They played the Thursday night game. And I think that he intercepted Deshaun Watson in that in that game. They played the Texans, right? That was the first game of 2020. And I that believe- was when we got all the David Johnson memes. Yeah. Because David Johnson had like two touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> uh, so this has been a fun walk down, down memory lane. We'll go ahead and get you out. A little shorter show this week. Uh, next week, I think my plan is to either have my top 100 for this year finished, and we can go over that, or the mock draft. I don't know which yet. But uh, these next couple weeks leading up to the draft, guys, just so you know, it's going to be super draft heavy. I know sometimes all the details and it can get to be a little bit much and a little bit 
a little bit dense for the more casual fans. So I apologize for that, but there's, there's just simply not a whole lot else to talk about uh, unless you just want to randomly talk about whatever team situation is. But uh, we'll continue to cover the stories and, and get you prepared to lead up to the draft. I also think it would be irresponsible tally for us to talk about anything, but the draft coming up, the draft is, has become an event. You know, the draft rates higher than any regular season sporting event for any of the other three sports it That's rates insane. higher than the first and second round of the nhl and nba playoffs well and then it's look a at huge event look at when they had it in nashville and the entire street was just packed with people i and, and i and i think this draft's gonna be one of the highest rated in years because of the quarterback intrigue you're gonna have three yeah. quarterbacks going the first three picks you could have four although i gotta tell you i wanted atlanta to take the qb tolly doesn't look like they're gonna yeah, I don't know. They want to uh, trade. They want to trade back. I actually got to tour Radio City Music Hall one of the last years that it was in New York City, and it was during the time of the draft. The first couple rounds had already happened by the time we got the tour, so I got to see their whole set in there. And then as we were leaving, like there were people lined up four hours before rounds four through seven or whatever it Man. was going to be that day even started. And they were just amped to get inside to watch these rounds of people. They don't even know who's getting picked at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge thing. I'd love to go one yeah. day. I mean, once the pandemic's over and it's all, you know, hunky-dory. I mean, it, I really want them to do the Vegas thing with the freaking boats to the stage. That was going to yeah. be so electric. And we missed out on it. And you say what you want about Roger Goodell, man. Like, I have my complaints with him, too. But... The guy is a marketing whiz or whoever he has under him. And he does a good job of listening and delegating that stuff out. Like they know how to market the sport. They know how to market these events like the combine and the draft. Football's become three, six, five, man. So uh, they would never do it, but they could be the ultimate trolls and be undefeated in that. If they just say, you know what? We're going to host a draft in St. Louis. You can't have the team, but we'll host the draft there for you guys. <laughs> That'd be pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go awesome. ahead and uh, give us a call or text us at 904-990-FT50. Text us about a draft prospect. Text us about who you want your team to take. And uh, we'll talk about it on the air, answer your question on the show. I, I bet if, if you've heard of him and you want your team to take him, I promise I've watched game tape of him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, call or text us at 904-990-FT50. Again, that's 904-990-FT50 or 3850. Um, so that I think will wrap it up for the show, Nick. Yeah. Good, 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 good sesh. Uh, we're presented by book it sports and aces wild. Be sure to download the book it sports app and head on over to 208 North main street in Columbia, Illinois, as we mentioned, but for Tali, I'm Zach Zook and the rest of the 50 from the 50 gang saying so long. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day.